0: And this is a series that's going to take us into Easter. And this is called Who Needs God? Who Needs God? You say, what kind of an Easter series is that? Who Needs God? Well, let me, let me give you some explanation, all right? Uh, we typically, in, in church circles, we operate under this assumption that everybody believes that, the, that Jesus rose from the dead. And we operate under that. And we have usually Easter, you know, the churches are packed and people come once a year, and usually if they come, or twice a year, they come on Easter, and they come on Christmas, right? Or either that, or someone got married, or there's the other thing that people go to that they don't want to talk about, you know, starts with F, and they have to go to church for that sometimes. It's not a bad word, uh, but you, you know what I'm talking about, right? So some, some people go sort of four times a year, and Easter is one of those times, but we just operate under this pretext, under this assumption that, oh yeah, everybody believes the gospel story. Okay, I just need to tell you that is that is so not true. There are people who come to churches and sit in our churches week after week after week after week, and we assume that they just acquiesce to all this stuff. And, oh, yes, Jesus came, and Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus died on a cross, and Jesus rose from the dead, and Jesus is coming soon. Well, of course they believe that. They're in church every Sunday. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be here if they didn't believe it. And that's not true. People come to church for all kinds of reasons. And I've discovered that even church folk have a pile of questions and a pile of problems when it comes to even basic things like the existence of God and the Easter story and all these things that we take for granted. Um, so I want to try and, and address this going all the way up to Easter Sunday. This is a six-part series. Uh, and today we're going to talk about uh, the new atheism, atheism and uh, what I'm gonna do for this series is to try and hear from you Uh, you're gonna see my I hope you can see it my cell phone number is up there on the screen and I'll put my little phone in front of me so that I can see it Um, and maybe people are watching on on Facebook live or they will And uh, you've got a question, you're too chicken to ask. Maybe you're in in the congregation this morning, you've got a question, you don't want anybody to know that you would dare ask a question like that. So I have a completely easy, super easy, anonymous way for you. Probably every one of you has a cell phone, If you don't, maybe you're bold enough to raise your hand and ask a question. Or maybe you can turn to your neighbor and say, will you ask this question for me? Or do something. Or maybe you come to me at the end and ask me the question at the end, and I'll answer it next week. But I want to make it as interactive as I can. So you have a question anytime; just send it to me. I may answer it on the fly. I may answer it next week, but I will answer it uh, for everybody to hear, okay? Because people have tons of questions, and we would be shocked to know what they are, but nobody really has the guts to ask. So I'm trying to make it easy for you. Um, So today we're gonna talk about atheism. Maybe there's some atheists watching or atheists who will listen. Uh, And I have the most profound respect uh, for atheists. I've known many atheists in my my lifetime, both as a Christian and, and as a not Christian. Um, and I have a lot of respect for atheists, uh, be, especially ones who really argue their position and stand their ground, and, you know, they have convictions that are that are their own, um, and they're atheists. Well, you know, I have a lot of respect for that. I personally think they're wrong, but I still have a lot of respect for them, and I enjoy uh, interacting with people who say there is no God, um, and hopefully we can... Um, you know we can do that a little bit even in the weeks ahead. Maybe there'll be some who reach out to me, and and we can do that. But I want to talk to you about atheism because uh, there is something that is happening in the culture, especially the Western culture that we live in, and in particular this province that we live in, the province of Quebec. Um, and I want to to ask you a question: um, Are you becoming a nun? Are you becoming a nun? Say, what are you talking about? What's a nun? I thought a nun was those ladies who make vows and wear funny clothes and devote themselves to God and the church. That's not the nun I'm talking about. I'm talking about a new kind of nun. Uh, and this term is, is quite new. It's been used well, for probably a decade or so, which is really quite new when it comes to these kinds of things. Um, and I wonder, are you becoming a nun? Uh, because here's, here's what the nuns are. The nuns are a group of people, growing number of people, who, when it comes to religious affiliation, when people ask them, what religion are you? What's your religious affiliation? If they have to fill out a form and the form asks them questions about their religious views or their philosophical views, perhaps, and there's a nun box, they're going to check the nun box. <laughs> okay, if, what's your religion? Don't have one. Thank you. None. Is there a none that I can check? That's the one that I'm checking. It's none. And um, they do this not with a whole, like they don't want to be asked a whole lot of questions. They don't want to be branded as atheists. They don't want to be branded as agnostics. They don't want to be branded as anything. They just don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. And they say, you know what? I'm out of religion. I don't want any part of religion. And I'm just, it's just none for me. It's, it's no longer interesting to me. I'm not engaged by it anymore. And it, maybe I grew up in it, but I left it. And it's, it's just none for me. Well, but are you an atheist? No, no, no. I, I, don't ask me all kinds of hard questions. I'm none. Thank you very much. Let's have another conversation. This is a growing number of people. Try, try this just as an experiment at your school, or at your work, or whatever. Try criticizing religion to your friends. Try saying to them, you know, and let's assume they don't know that you go to church at all. You can pretend and you can pretend that you don't. Maybe they don't know that you go anyway. And you just say to them, you know, religion, like, this is the source of all problems in the world. You know what it is? It's not not Donald Trump, you know, it's not Justin Trudeau, it's not the potholes in Quebec you know what it is? It's religion. That's the source. That's the thing that poisons everything. It's religion. Nine times out of 10, your friend, your neighbor is going to say, yep, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Religion is awful. Do the exact same thing and say to that same person, do you know, you know what the problem in the world is? It's not Donald Trump. It's not Justin Trudeau. It's not the potholes in Quebec. You know what it is? It's Jesus. Jesus is the problem with everything. Jesus poisons everything. You know what they're going to do? They're going to look at you and they're going to say, uh, not sure what to say. <laughs> because some of them are going to say, well, if I agree, maybe a lightning bolt will come out of the sky or something. Like, I don't know. I don't know if Jesus is the problem with everything. Religion, I'll agree with you, it's the problem with everything. But I don't know if I should say Jesus is the problem with everything, or Allah is the problem with everything, or Buddha. I don't know if I should say that. But I certainly will say religion, absolutely, it's the problem with everything. And this is what the nuns believe, if anything. That you know what? I'm out of religion, I'm out, I'm a nun. Uh, there are a few people in, in Western culture who have been very influential in creating, in a sense, this brand of people, uh, and this is one of them. His name is Sam Harris. After the 11th of September, he went to a dozen publishers with this manuscript of uh, this book called The End of Faith, Religion, Terror, and the Future of Reason. And Sam Harris is a strong vitriolic atheist. I mean the things that this man says about Christianity, Islam, Judaism, religion, total. He is vitriolic, like utter you you can't you have to watch some of what he says on YouTube or read his books to see. I mean the he's probably the harshest critic of Islam you will ever, ever read. I'm surprised there isn't like death threats on on him. I think he probably has had some, Uh, but he went to a dozen publishers with this manuscript after the 11th of September. Nobody would touch it. And then finally somebody did publish it and it was on the New York Times bestseller list for 33 weeks was a huge, huge hit, and then there was so much backlash from Christians in the United States in particular about this book that he wrote another book called Letter to a Christian Nation, uh, which was kind of his sequel, and uh, that went to the New York Times bestseller list also, and uh, let me tell you, he's no friend of of Christianity, no friend of religion, brilliant guy, but he wrote that book, and then uh, we have Richard Dawkins, um, who wrote a book after that called The God Delusion. Dawkins is an evolutionary biologist, and uh, this, this uh, brought him to a meteoric rise to fame. Uh, that book is so popular. It sold so many millions of copies, uh, The God Delusion. And then you had another book that came out uh, by a man named Christopher uh, Hitchens uh, called God is Not Great, how religion poisons everything. And he's passed away now. He died of uh, cancer of the esophagus. And uh, he wrote many other books as well. And these three men and others gave rise to a kind of a new atheism for the 21st century. It's all post 9-11. And these people, especially these three, rose to rock star status, like the popularity the debates that you can watch on the internet, the books, the preaching. I mean, they're like preachers. The videos, everything. I mean, and what this did with the culture is the culture said, you know what? We hate religion also. And we're buying these books and we're reading these books and we're learning these arguments. And you know what? We don't like, one thing we, we agree with with these guys is religion is the source of all the problems that there is. And thus you have the nuns. And the nuns may not even say they're atheists. They may not say they're agnostic. They just say none. And if you ask them questions, well, maybe they'll regurgitate something that Dawkins said or Harris said or Hitchens said, but they're just none. They're just done with it. So I want to look at atheism from a different perspective today. And I want to try and show you from really the, the, the writings and the preaching of these guys, uh, what the implications are of atheism, a world without God, and I'm not saying they're wrong. You say, well, how can you, how can you, are you, are you an atheist? Well, obviously, I'm not an atheist, but I want to tell you what the consequences are of atheism, because when you walk away from theism, you walk away from the idea that there's a God, you're walking towards something else. You may not know what you're walking to, but, but Hitchens and Dawkins and Harris and others are going to help you understand what you're walking to, all right? And I want to use one verse from the Bible today, only one. I'll try and stay on only one. And this is from Psalm 14 and verse 1 and Psalm 53 and verse 1. You probably know the passage if you've been in church for any length of time. It says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, oh, you're criticizing atheists. No, that's too easy. It's easy to take the passage and say, oh, you see, anybody who says there's no God, they're a fool. Well, uh, th- I've met a lot of atheists, and they're really, really smart people. Uh, it's really easy to toss that, that verse around and say, well, the person's a fool because they don't believe in God. Ha, 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 the Bible says so. Well, I want to take it a little further. Uh, first of all, the, the the passage in context, when it uses the word fool, it's a, it's a word that's referring to the morality of the person, a person with a particular kind of morality Uh, that is not so good, would say in his heart, there is no God. And we can argue that and we could say, oh yeah, these atheists, you know, uh, look at their life. If they don't believe in God, then they all run around and live immoral lives. Well, that really isn't true in many cases. In some cases it's true, but not in all cases. And a guy like Sam Harris would stand here and would totally rip that argument apart. And he would say, "Well, I'm a very moral person. I know a lot of moral atheists. Ha, 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 the Bible is wrong. Ha, 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 he would say. Uh, but let me take it a little deeper um, and, and take it to a level of interpretation that maybe you haven't uh, heard of before. The fool says in his heart there is no God. What are the implications Of a world without God what are the implications of atheism if you're walked if you're walking away from God or you walked away from God did you know what you were walking to Uh, what I want to do is to try and tell you well technically this is what you're walking to it may surprise you a little bit Uh, so I'm going to go through six things relatively quickly here okay number one you are an illusion didn't get any smiles okay You, you you are an illusion uh if there is no god then in a sense there is no you because if there is no god you are just a kind of a mass of chemicals and biology and stuff and you know you may you may operate as if there's a you in there somewhere But all you are is your body and your your brain and all those things and all those chemicals and those processes and that biology. That's all that there is. There isn't really a you. And there certainly isn't an immaterial, you know, soul. If we define soul as you and the intellect, the emotions, the will, the immaterial part of of humanity, that's the soul. Well, there is no soul if there is no God. I mean... uh, it's just, you're just a body and that's it. And you live under the illusion that there's a you. You live under the illusion that there's a soul, but there isn't. And when, you, when your body stops living, you're gone. That's it. And, there, and so really, it's all just physical. It's all chemical. It's all biological. There really isn't any you there anyway, um, because all you are is a body, uh, Christopher Hitchens, um, the last book that he wrote was called Mortality, and he wrote it as a dying man. And uh, he had um, cancer of the esophagus, very nasty. And um, he he writes in his book Mortality that the doctors would come up to him and say, "Well, your body is doing this, and your body is doing this, and your body is doing that," and and he finally got to a point where he said to them, "I do not have a body. I am a body." Do you see the difference? It's not like there's me in there and then, you know, there's my body. No, I am a body. If you start cutting off body parts, you're cutting me. There's no me in there. It's just body. So stop saying your body is doing this and your body is doing that. Don't say that. I don't have one. I am one. I'm just physical. I'm just biological. There is no immortal soul. There is no immaterial part of me. That's, that's, very, that's a very arguable position if there is no God who has created humanity in his image and put his thumbprint on people's hearts and given them a soul and all that. Like, that, it's very easy to argue that if there's no God, there's no you. It's just an illusion. It's just something that you've invented by convention so that you can function in this world. But there really isn't any you at all. I hope you're not too depressed yet. I've got five more, okay? Uh, number two, and this is kind of a conclusion of number one, um, you don't have free will. Your free will is a, is a complete illusion if, if there is no God because you, you think that you have a free will, but really everything that you do is determined by something else that's been done already. It's something else caused you to do whatever you're doing. And life is so complex that you can't really nail down what that cause is. But really, you think you have free will, but you don't. It's Because, again, you're just a blob of mass and matter and chemicals that, that's bouncing around with, with other blobs of mass and matter and chemicals. And, you know, there's cause and effect that happens all the time. So you think that you have free will, but you don't. Um, everything is determined ultimately by cause. You came to church today because of something else physical that ultimately triggered that decision. You decided to wear the clothes that you are wearing today because of something else. You won't be able to pinpoint exactly what that is because it's so complicated, but it really, you really don't have any free will. Everything is determined by cost. Um, and, and there's a couple of funny quotes on this. Uh, Hitchens, uh, when he's asked this question, you know, do you, do you have free will? Do you have free will? Because he's a determinist. He doesn't believe that you have free will. And he said this. He said, yes, I have free will. I have no choice but to have it. <laughs> it's quite an irony there. He's trying to be funny and ironic, right? Yes, I have free will, but I have no choice. You know, we, we, we operate under the illusion of free will but we really don't have it he would say and he would argue and harris would argue you know that us christians who say well god gives you free will they'd say see you don't have free will you just said it god gave you free will well that doesn't mean you have free will truly it means your big boss in the sky gave you free will so you don't really have free will in the end ha 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 they would say uh, but that's kind of ironic joke that he's making. Yes, I have free will. I have no choice but to have it. Uh, Stephen Hawking, the the uh, w- the genius uh, who, who passed away recently, uh, Lou, Ge- Lou Gehrig's disease. I mean, you can watch a movie about him. He's so popular, The Theory of Everything and... Um, Brief history of time, he wrote. This is what Hawking said. It's quite funny. He said, I've noticed that even those who assert that everything is predestined and that we can change nothing about it still look both ways before they cross the street. (laughs) Quite Quite a funny quote. So the idea is this this is an illusion that we have created to function but it's technically not really true if there is no god because all you are is just stuff there's you don't have a you in there there's no soul in there and um, by implication there's no free will either it's just it's just biology bumping up against biology it's just physics bumping up against physics it's just chemistry bumping up against chemistry. It's just one decision bumping up against another decision. That's all it is. Are you depressed yet? It's hard to live like that. Yes, a little hard. Uh, number three, and this, this again is uh, more again from the new atheists. Um, these guys, uh, you know, Hawkins and Hitchens and Harris and the like. And um, uh, value is an illusion as well. There's no such thing as objective value to anything when we start saying something is of value and something is of meaning and something is valuable in an objective sense all, all we've done is created an illusion in order to function that That cannot be true if there is no God there, you, cannot, you cannot say that something is objectively. Valuable point finale. You cannot say that if there is no God, because who is it who sets that standard that says that something is valuable and something else isn't valuable? I mean, if there's no God to set it, no no universal authority to set it, then it's purely subjective. It's purely something that we invent by convention. And what makes it a little more disturbing, by implication, there's no justice either. I mean, this sense of of right and wrong and something ought to be and something ought not to be that's not real that's not universally and objectively true if there is no god it's purely subjective it's it's just as i want it to be so try this as an experiment um you know talk to your to your your friend your your unchurched friend or whatever and and say, well, you know, you have your truth and I have my truth and uh, you you may hear that from them. Well, that's good for you. You believe in this, you believe in this, but I believe in that and I believe in that and you have your truth and I have my truth and that's fine. But you won't hear that too often with the word justice. You have your justice and I have my justice. You won't hear that too often because we appeal to justice kind of beyond uh, it, it's beyond us. We say, well, this ought not to be. It's not fair. It's not right. It ought not to be. It's it's not just. Well, says who? Says you? Well, that's very subjective. You've created that. That's an illusion that you use to operate, but isn't really objectively true. There is no value. And we do this all the time. We, we place value on things, and we do it very, very subjectively. Um, just as these atheists say we do. Um, So for example, there's a movie that's coming out. um, It's not coming to to Canada at all, and I was tempted to bring it here and try to uh, work a little magic in quotes, sorry, magic in quotes, to see if I could get this movie and play it in our church, but it's rated R, so that would probably be a little bit of a difficulty. And uh, it's called Unplanned. It's a story about a, a person who ran an abortion clinic and uh, from what she saw and experienced, she went in the total opposite direction and, uh, and everything changed when she really started to see what was happening. And uh, it's rated R, which means that in the US, a girl under 17 um, can't go see it without parental consent. And yet that girl under 17 in most states in the United States can have an abortion without consent from their parents. Talk about a weird sense of value wow we 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 place more value on a restriction for a, watching a movie than we do to, on an abortion uh, and I think now in New York state uh even a late term abortion by a person under seventeen can be done without consent of parents wow we've're we're, 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 that's a weird sense of value, but we appear to value the movie rating more than we do the the life inside the teenage girl's womb? Wow. Maybe the atheists are right. We create these illusions. Interesting. Um, you depressed yet? Okay. I don't see any questions coming in. It's okay. Fill my phone. I, I really don't mind. Um, uh, uh, so the last three, and these three maybe you've heard of uh, before. Uh, something came from nothing. So you had nothing absolutely nothing. In fact, so much nothing that you can't can't even use the word nothing to describe it because you had absolutely nothing. And then you had a point, a singularity where something came from nothing. We call this the Big Bang Theory, the origin of the cosmos, the the leading view in cosmology, the leading view that your kids are going to be taught, that you're going to learn in high school CJP university for the rest of your life you know is that it all came from this point of singularity where you had time space and matter that came from nothing remember you can't invoke a god to say that it came from him or her or it or whatever you can't do that if you're an atheist then it where did it come from ultimately nothing so so for years and years and years, people believed that the cosmos was eternal, that it always was. But then people started to see over the last, you know, number of many decades that there's evidence that the cosmos is expanding and that, it, that if it's expanding, maybe, maybe it was expanding from something that we can ex- extrapolate into the past. And from this, they get the theory that, well, what, what, what would it have started from? And you know, so the leading theory, 14 and a half billion years ago, there was this big bang, this point of singularity that out of nothing, absolutely nothing, you can't even use the word nothing. You can't say before the big bang. There's nothing before the big bang. Nothing exists before the big bang. You say, well, what cost it? We don't know. If you're an atheist, you have to say that. We don't know. And you know what? We don't really care because we're here already. But something came from nothing, this we know. The rest is a mystery. Maybe someone will figure it out one day. You know, uh, they say Hawking came close, and, and Hawking claimed that, you, that under certain circumstances you could have something from nothing. Uh, he's a lot smarter than me. Maybe he's right, but, but he certainly wouldn't say that it came from God. So it ultimately, the leading theory, Something came from absolutely nothing. Wow, that's, it almost starts to sound like you have to have faith to have that, doesn't it? Well, I'm just telling you that's the leading theory, all right? And uh, I'm sure they're open, uh, the atheists, to someone explaining how we can get something from nothing. But this is the prevailing theory. Um, And once you do have something from nothing you then have to say, okay, let's look at our planet and planet Earth. So how did we get life on Earth? And this also is a very, very difficult question to answer. How did we get first life, life able to reproduce itself on this planet? How did that happen? Again, we're talking about atheism, How is it that we could have life from non-life? How can you have non-living matter and all of a sudden you have it sort of assemble itself to become life? Like, how did we get the first self-replicating life? Uh, We call this abiogenesis. How did we get this? How did this happen? Uh, in the 50s, there was a very famous experiment that was done where these these scientists took uh, several different gases and put them in a test tube and, uh, you know, boiled them into vapor, I think it was, and ran 50,000 volts through it. And they ended up with some tar. And they said, hey, in the tar, there's amino acids. Ha-ha, we've recreated the pre-life earth And look, we've got amino acids problem solved. And for a long time, people believed that. But then they started looking at those amino acids. They said, "Uh uh-uh, those amino acids can't do anything. Those amino acids are going to die. And those gases that you had in that experiment, those gases probably weren't there anyway. So what you have is a really carefully doctored experiment that really doesn't really show how we got complex life and life that's so complex that it can replicate itself from non-life. It's a big, big problem, uh, period, especially when you don't believe in God. If you don't, if you don't believe me, um, I want to show you uh, a video. And those of you watching on Facebook, you will hear it. It'll be a little bit faint, uh, but just, just surf around on the internet. This is Ben Stein uh, interviewing uh, Richard Dawkins in a, a movie, a documentary movie called uh, expelled it's about the theory of intelligent design uh, that maybe there's an intelligent being that brought this first life uh, on our planet way back when we don't know but I want you to watch and listen uh, to this uh, this interview it's quite interesting go ahead
1: hello professor Dawkins how are you I'm Ben Stein I'm just sorry to keep you waving how are you fine thank you you have uh, you have written that uh, God is a psychotic delinquent invented by mad, deluded people. No, I didn't say quite that. I said something rather better than that. Oh, what well, please? Uh, so. <laughs> <exactly. laughs> um, uh, well, I would have to read it from 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 the book. No, please. The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction. Jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser. A misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. So that's what you think of God? Yeah. How many, how many people believe in a
2: God of infinite lovingness and kindness and forgiveness and generosity, sort of like the modern-day God? Why spoil for them?
1: Oh, um... Why not just let them have their fun I mean, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. I write a book. People can read it if they want to. Um, I believe that it is a liberating thing to free yourself from primitive superstition. So, religion is a primitive superstition? Oh, I think it is, yes.
2: So, uh, you believe it's liberating to uh, tell people that there is no God?
1: I think a lot of people, when they give up God, feel a great sense of release. Uh, and freedom. Why do you think that? I mean, what's your what's well, your scientist? What's your dad? Is? I think well, I've had a lot of, of letters saying that. And I there are think eight billion people in the world. Well, yeah I don't I, think yeah. how many letters have you had? I haven't, haven't done that. That's quite, quite true.
2: Professor Dawkins seemed so convinced that God doesn't exist that I wondered if he would
1: be willing to put a number on it. Well, it's hard to put a figure on it, but but I I, I mean I put it as something like you know. Mm-hmm ninety-nine percent against or something. Well do you know it's ninety nine percent against ninety seven. No, I didn't you asked me to put a figure on it and I am not comfortable putting a figure on it. I think it's I, I just think it's very unlikely. What? But you couldn't put a number on it. No of well, course not. So it, it would be forty nine percent well I, it would be I mean I I think it's 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 unlikely but but I but and it's quite far from fifty percent. How do you know? I don't know. I mean I I I put an argument well, then who did create the heavens and the earth? Why do you use the word who? You see, you, you, you immediately beg the question by using the word who? how did it get created? Well, um, by a very slow process. Well, how did it start? Nobody knows how that started. We know the kind of event that it must have been. We know the sort of event that, that must have happened for the origin of life.
0: Oh!
1: A replicating molecule. Right, how did that happen? I told you we don't know. So you have no
2: idea how it started? No, no. Nor has anyone. Nor has anyone else. else. What do you think is the possibility that their intelligent design
1: might turn out to be uh, the answer to some issues in uh, genetics or uh, or in evolution? It could come about in the following way. It could be that uh, at some earlier time, somewhere in the universe, a civilization evolved by probably some kind of Darwinian means to a very, very high level of technology and designed a form of life that they seeded onto, perhaps, this, this planet. Um, now, th- that is a possibility and an intriguing possibility. And I suppose it's possible that you might find evidence for that if you look at the, um, at the detail, details of biochemistry molecular biology, you might find a signature of some sort of designer. Wait a second. Richard Dawkins thought intelligent design might be a legitimate pursuit? Um, And that designer could well be a higher intelligence from elsewhere in the universe. But that higher intelligence would itself have had to have come about by some explicable, or ultimately explicable, process. He couldn't have just jumped into existence spontaneously. That's the point. So, Professor Dawkins was not
2: against intelligent design. Just certain types of designers, such as God, so that the Hebrew God, the God of the Old Testament, he
1: doesn't exist in your view. Um, certainly. I mean, that would be a very unpleasant prospect. And you know. uh, the the trin- family of the New no. Testament. Nothing, nothing exist. like that. Do you believe in any of the Hindu gods? How like could happen you ask such a question? You How don't, know, I? could I? You I mean, do you what, why would I? Given that I don't believe in any others. You don't, you don't believe do you? in the Muslim God? No. And why do you even need to ask?
2: Well, I just want to be sure. So you don't believe in any god anywhere.
1: Any god anywhere would be completely incompatible with 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 anything that I've said.
2: In In. I, I I'm just wanted to make sure you don't okay. believe in any god anywhere. Never. What if you, if after you died, you ran into God? He said, "What have you been doing, Richard? I mean, what have you been doing, having fun? I'd be nice to you. I gave you a multi-million dollar
1: paycheck over and over again with your book, and look what you did." Dr. Russell was had that point put to him. He said um, something like, "Sir, why did you take such pains to hide yourself?"
0: Hmm. So did you hear what he said there? It's quite fascinating and Dawkins, Dawkins is very upset uh, at this video uh, because he feels like he was kind of taken out of context. Uh, what he was doing there is he's trying to offer a bit of an olive branch to, to Ben Stein saying, okay, well you, you're in this whole intelligent design thing. Okay, well maybe it was an alien it was a highly advanced civilization that probably got to that state through Darwinian evolution or something similar, and that, that alien civilization seeded planet Earth with the first self-replicating life. It, you know, it's as if Dawkins was saying, okay, I may be able to go that far. You know, it's called directed panspermia, uh, that theory. And uh, Dawkins doesn't really believe in that, but he's just trying to grant an olive branch a little bit to, to Ben Stein. And he goes on and he says, you know, but even that alien civilization couldn't have just popped into nothing. It had to have an explicable beginning. This is what he's trying to say. And, you know, the quotes were, oh, yes, Richard Dawkins believes in little alien green men and intelligent design. Well, he most certainly does not. But what he does say is, we don't know. We don't know how, how the first self-replicating life got started. We don't know. But we know that it did. And we know from there, this is the final conclusion of atheism. You've got no God in this whole picture. Um, once you have that self-replicating life, natural selection is responsible for all life after first life. All of it. Now, a lot of Christians have really bogus misconceptions of what natural selection is. And they say, oh, there's no such thing as natural selection. Be very careful when you say that. Look around the room, and I'll tell you that there's evidence for natural selection. Okay, you all are evidence for natural selection, and so am I. Any of you got, uh, got sick this year? Any of you get the flu? Okay, that's evidence for natural selection. You know why? Those viruses, if you had the flu... Those viruses, they're really, really, really smart, and they like to live. Uh, They love the wintertime. Do you know why they love the winter? Because people get close to one another in the winter. You ever notice that? They like to eat together. They like to stay inside where it's nice and cozy and comfy out of the cold. Well, those viruses, they say, oh, yeah, I like this. Because what I can do, especially if the humans aren't intelligent enough to wash their hands which they appear not to be in many cases, what I can do is I can actually jump from host to host. All I have to do is wait for one of the humans to not wash their hands, touch something, then another human just touches it and then, you know, rubs their eyes or their nose or, or puts their finger in their mouth and presto, I'm still alive. But while I'm alive, what I do is I replicate myself. And as I'm replicating myself, sometimes I make a mistake and I mutate a little bit. And what happens is I'm still a virus, but, but the mutation actually is a little bit more resistant than this flu shot that they're giving to all these human hosts. So this mutation is going to live longer than the other strain. It's still a virus, but it has adapted and it lives on. And it lives on and on and on. And some of you right now, you're a host to a virus that has survived because of natural selection. It's still a virus. It hasn't turned into an automobile, okay? It's still a virus. But it has been selected by nature because that's how it lives. That's how it survives. You say, what? You believe in Darwinian evolution? No, I didn't say that. But natural selection is a very real thing. Now, it's one thing for a virus to mutate and still stay a a virus. It's another for it to become an automobile. Okay, that's where I have problems with the whole thing. But if you're an atheist, natural selection is responsible for everything. Everything, all biological life has a common ancestor. And don't use this argument of, well, you know, uh, you're saying that apes became men. No evolutionist says that. Evolutionists say that apes and men, if you use the word apes, and they'll use a different word, came from a common ancestor. And that common ancestor died out, and you have humans, and you have uh, whatever term you want to use, apes, etc. That's That's more what they're saying, okay? Sometimes we say things that they're not saying. Uh, In any case, if you're an atheist, you believe that natural selection is responsible for all life. You have to have a whole lot of time in order for it to work. You've got to have a whole lot of mutation in order for it to, to work, and you have to have things trying to live in order for it to work. But you cannot, you cannot, you cannot invoke the idea that there is a God who is somehow responsible for all this because he most certainly uh, is not. And uh, Richard Dawkins uh, will finish with, with this quote. Um, this is what he says in, uh, in The God Delusion. He says, think about it. On one planet, and possibly only one planet in the entire universe, molecules that would normally make nothing more complicated than a chunk of rock gather themselves together into chunks of rock-sized matter of such staggering complexity that they are capable of running, jumping, swimming, flying, seeing hearing, capturing, and eating each other, um, I'm sorry, eating other such animated chunks of complexity, capable in some cases of thinking and feeling and falling in love with yet other chunks of complex matter. This is what we're saying. Um, And we now understand essentially how the trick is done. This is right out of Dawkins and the God delusion. And when you hear him talk about natural selection, he almost personifies it like it's personal. Like it's almost like a force that has a personality. When you read about how he describes natural selection and how it's, how it's purposeful and it's driven without a driver and it's smart without a mind and it's amazing with no one to be amazed and it's, it's remarkable and powerful and focused and patient and relentless and violent and indiscriminate and invisible, <laughs> he's always talking about it like it's a person. Uh, but if there is no God, then we are the source of all of that. We now understand, according to him, how the trick is done. These are the implications of atheism. And these men, if there is no God, they're right. If there is no God, you don't have alternatives other than the ones that they have postulated in their books and their preaching and their videos and their blogs and their podcasts and all the, all the rest of it. Um, what in the world does this have to do with Easter? <laughs> and some of you, I, I, I saw it from half of you, you're like, I don't want to embarrass, be embarrassing, but I'm really tired. Like, I'm yawning listening to this nonsense. You know, you're like, what utter drivel is this? Like, I, I don't believe any of this stuff. And sometimes I think of myself as an atheist. Sometimes I don't. But I don't believe any of the stuff that you just said. Like, it seems too ridiculous. Some of you are saying that. You're saying, oh, it's so boring. Nice presentation, but so boring. What does this have to do with Easter? Let me make it real for you. Um... No soul. Hmm. The whole Easter story is about the soul. It's about the part of man that's going to live beyond death. It's about Jesus who died on the cross to redeem humankind, who's created in the image of God and has a soul. The whole view of Easter is obvious, that man is created in the image of God and has a soul, and that that man is more than just a blob and more than just a body? You want to talk about the illusion of free will? Well, uh, free will is a very, very real thing when you talk about Easter. Here you have Jesus who voluntarily goes and faces the cross, voluntarily, even though looking for a way out, even though going to the garden and praying if there's another way, but not my will, but yours be done, and surrendering his will to the will of the Father so that people by their own will and volition could repent and turn to Christ and receive eternal life. Wow, it's very much about the will. You want to talk about value and the value of something? It's very clearly established by Jesus on the cross, that humanity is valuable, valuable enough for him to die for it? Value, uh, value, creation is valuable enough for him to die for it because he ultimately will redeem all of creation? Wow, you want to talk about <laughs> how relevant the Easter story is to modern day atheism? Wow, it's pretty relevant, pretty relevant. But is it true? Is it true? And we'll look at that over the next few weeks. Um, I don't think the nuns, are running to atheism. I don't think they are. I think what they're doing is they're running away from something. Y- y- your, your relatives, your kids, your grandkids, some of you, it's not that they're running to atheism, they're saying, yeah, 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 Richard Dawkins. You know, they'll probably watch that video and say, man, the other guy ate him for breakfast. The other guy had him, he had him pinned to the mat there. They might say that. But they're not running to atheism. You know what they're doing? They're running away from something. And what they're running from, they may well have good reason to be running from it. And next week, we'll talk about this, uh, the gods of the no testament. Sometimes the nuns, often the nuns, again, your friends, your relatives, your kids, your grandkids, they're presented with a version of God. And they say, that God I cannot be interested in anymore. And sometimes they're right. Sometimes they've been sold a version of God that they connect with religion and they say, this makes no sense to me anymore and I'm leaving. It could be that they've been sold a version of God and a version of Christianity that is actually something that they should be rejecting. And I'm convinced that many of this group, the nuns, it's because, hey, they're right. If that's, what, if that's what their version of God is, I don't know where they got it from, but it's so not in the Bible. We'll talk about it next week, gods of the no testament, the no testament. You won't find them anywhere.